I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry. I'm Vincent Cunningham, and this is Critics at Large, a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious. Each week, we're going to talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love. Books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip, too. Of course. We hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today, wherever you get podcasts. This episode of Livewire is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you can call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Livewire. I'm Luke Burbank. I'm backstage here at Revolution Hall in Portland. We are getting ready to do the show. And let me tell you, it is going to be a party. Why? Because it is our 300th episode. People are already pre-funking in the hall here. And um, I think this is... This is either going to be a beautiful show or a beautiful disaster, but there's going to be a lot of celebrating, and we have some really fun guests to help us do that. We've got Prescott Harvey here. He's a guy who made a video online telling J.J. Abrams how to make sure the new Star Wars movie uh, was good. And the video was so compelling, J.J. Abrams actually called him to get advice. Uh, We've also got John Hodgman here, writer of many books and former Daily Show correspondent. And we've got music from our pals, The Double Clicks. It's going to be a fun party, and you, the listeners, are invited. And it all gets started right now. From PRI Public Radio International, it's... Well, hello, everybody. Thank you, announcer Jason Rouse. Thanks, everybody, here at Revolution Hall in Portland, Oregon. Indeed, it is our 300th episode of Livewire. That is that's a huge number of public radio shows to mount over the course of uh, 10 or so years, and we wanted to try to put it into perspective Um, You know, sort of like Harper's Magazine does with the index. You know, Harper's Magazine, our favorite magazine to buy at the airport bookstore and then not read on the flight. (laughs) So we thought we would sort of present Livewire by the numbers here at the top of our 300th episode. 1,243 is the total guests that we have had on stage and on the air on this show over our 300 episodes. Yeah. Two is the number of times that I've told stories that involve pooping my pants. 
Um, zero is the number of employment opportunities I will have after telling pants pooping stories on a national radio show. A 32 is the number of sketches that we've done that mock vegans, the gluten-free, or lactose intolerant. Um, may get that number up to 33 on this show. You never know. One is the number of cook-offs we've had that involve cutting up and plating a 7-Eleven burrito and also Almond Joy three ways. Two is the number of sriracha-slathered Almond Joys that we forced actual chefs to eat on that episode of the show. One is the number of bands who set their Winnebago on fire at an after-show party. That was a band called Alan Singley and the Pants Machine in 2006. One bottle of tequila was saved after our cast member, Sean McGrath, ran into the burning Winnebago. That is what he saved because he has priorities. Five is the number of shows that were hosted by our first host on this show, somebody named Rob Sample. Shout out to Rob Sample. 211 is the number of shows hosted by our second and still longest-running host, Courtney Hameister. One is the number of shows hosted by me after waking up to like 30 missed calls from executive producer Robin Tenenbaum saying that she needed a host for that night's show upon which I was supposed to appear as a guest. <laughs> One is the number of times Senator Barney Frank was asked to eat Franks with two guys named Frank <laughs> on stage. Also, one is the number of times Senator Barney Frank demurred on the Frank eating due to having, quote, just eaten. Um, speaking of bits like that, 467 is the number of bits our announcer, Jason Rouse, has written around food puns. Nine is the number of those bits that have actually made it onto the show, including the salad off with Susan Saladoff and the aforementioned Franks and Franks and Frank. 14 is the number of guys who ate hummus in the green room who everyone thought someone else knew, so they just let the guy stay there, eating all the hummus. Two is the number of dance troops that we featured on a radio show. Let that sink in and amaze that we got to 300. One is the number of jugglers we've had on a radio show. I refer back to my previous statement. One is the number of joints that were found in the couch cushions of the green room and smoked. And 4,500 is the number of people backstage who apparently were, quote, with the band. So that is Livewire by the numbers here at the top of our 300th episode. We also have a, a theme for this hour of the show, and it is, who are you to judge? Who are you to judge this radio show that often has dance troops and jugglers on and is smoking the contraband reefer we find in the green room? Uh, also, one of our guests, Mr. John Hodgman, is the host of an amazing podcast and also a column in the New York Times called Judge John Hodgman. Uh, so we're going to be talking about getting judgmental this hour. And really, what could be more judgy than making a YouTube video 
telling J.J. Abrams to make sure the new Star Wars movie doesn't suck <laughs> before he'd even made it. That is precisely what our next guest did. It featured rules for Star Wars, rules like this. The frontier is a dangerous place. It's never cute or silly. It's not child-proofed. It's freaking Star Wars. And Han always shoots first. By the way, what you cannot see on the radio is that at the end, uh, where he says Han always shoots first, it's a video of Han Solo shooting Jar Jar Binks' head off. The video got over a million views, and one of the guys who made it, Prescott Harvey, even got a call from J.J. Abrams inviting him to L.A. to pitch ideas. So anyway, uh, we take back what we said about not being judgy. Apparently, that's the way to be successful in this world. Please welcome Prescott Harvey to Livewire. Hello there. I feel like uh, you'll probably have some ideas after this episode of how we can make sure Livewire doesn't suck. I've been watching from the green room, yeah. Any thoughts? Any observations? Um, let's talk offline. Okay, that's yeah. fair. That's probably a good idea. On our 300th episode, yeah. let's not uh, spoil it. Um, where did this idea to sort of tell J.J. Abrams what he needs to do with the new Star Wars movie, where did that idea come from for you? Uh, I was sitting around at my parents' house... And um, I just started thinking, um, wouldn't it be great if the next Star Wars movie was really good? So. And that was where the idea came from. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so then I started thinking, um, what would make the movie good? And what made some of the prequels really bad? So. Why don't you lay out your, your principles? I believe it's four principles, right? Correct, Yeah. Um, so the first rule, principle, is um, Star Wars is set in the frontier. The second one is that... And you point out in, in the video, uh, it's, it's not set in cities. It's not set in, like, the Galactic Senate. That was one of my problems with the most recent Star Wars was they were, like, Galactic C-SPAN. It was yeah. about a trade embargo. It was, like, seven hours on a tariff. Yeah. Not yeah. interesting to me. Yeah, hugely problematic. And then there's also just something really cool. Uh, the originals, um, you know, they're always out in the boonies. And there's, the, there's creatures and there are these scoundrels. And you lose that a little bit when you go to the city. So, um, what's, uh, what's rule number two of how to make Star Wars not suck? Uh, the, uh, uh, the future is old. So um, keeping everything kind of gritty and dirty, the prequels had this very shiny feel to them. Uh, that's really something that Star Wars invented uh, as, as far as uh, sci-fi goes, or at least popularized. Um, and right, like the Millennial Falcon always needed a jump start. Yeah, exactly, you know? exactly. <laughs> Anybody got any cables? Yeah. Get this thing going. I mean, that was part, it's part of the charm, right? Is right. That things were kind of junky in a way. Right. And they decided for whatever reason to lose that in the prequels. So, yeah, kind of um, muddled things up a little bit. Yeah. Okay, rule number three. Rule number three is the force is mysterious. And With this one. Yeah. I just wanted to do a Yoda impression there. That was good. That was good. Thank you. Um, yeah. 
that one uh, that, that one was really more about uh, you know there's the whole the midichlorians in the prequels like I don't know if you you look surprised uh, yeah like, are you, do, you, do you watch Star Wars at all like yeah. I, I I think I zoned out during the most recent ones midichlorian sounds like something you take for uh, gut distress yeah it sounds like something George Lucas in his 60s would come up with. well you know? okay I need to get to rule number four but now I have to ask you Prescott has George Lucas heard about this video? Because it really is a pretty uh, damning analysis of the movies that he made towards the end that most people, I think a lot of people didn't find particularly watchable. Yeah, I think he kind of has thrown up his hands at this point because of people like me. Uh, he's kind of stepped away from the whole franchise. But I mean, did, did you ever hear if, like, was there somebody named, like, Lorge Jukis, who is like in the comment section on YouTube being like, I don't think this makes any sense. I think those last ones were pretty good. Yeah, there was like several hundred of those people. So maybe it was all, it was Probably all George. Him. Yeah, He's out yeah. there at Skywalker Ranch. Yeah, exactly. Okay, what's rule number four? Uh, Star Wars isn't cute. Like no Ewoks? No well, Jar Jars? Yeah, yeah. No, no, definitely no Jar Jars. Um, and... Um, uh, you know, I mean, st like, I get cute's relative, right? So, I mean, they're obviously R2 is cute, Ewoks are kind of cute, but at least no, no obvious pandering to the, the three-year-olds in the audience. Yeah. Um, what was it like when this thing started to take off? Like, what were your expectations for how far this video was going to go? Uh, I, I didn't know what to expect. I mean, I, I was thinking my dream would be that somehow in the vast expanse of the Internet... You would get on Livewire. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. High five. Yeah. You did it. We did it. Uh, no, I, I, I was thinking, you know, maybe maybe J.J. would see it and maybe it would influence the new films, but I didn't expect it to blow up like it did. So uh, my family, we were actually, we were in traveling. We were in France when the video got released. And so we, we were in Paris at the time and all of a sudden all these emails and phone calls started coming in and it was absolutely crazy. Like, yeah, it was surreal. What was it like when J.J. Abrams actually called you? I, I mean... Uh, my son, my wife, uh, my marriage. I mean, J.J. Abrams was like, I mean, <laughs> like they're all competing best moments. Well, you ended up actually going to L.A. to like pitch him movies. I want to hear about that in a moment. Yeah. We have to take a really quick break, though. We've got Prescott Harvey here. He uh, put an online video up that, uh, that detailed how Star Wars should really not, uh, what J.J. Abrams should avoid with the new Star Wars movie, which is coming out soon. Uh, and I want to hear more about that in just a moment. First, though, a quick break. This is Live Wire Radio coming to you from Portland, Oregon. Dubuque Monthly, this month in Plano, your Aurora. You know, for some cities, coming up with an interesting monthly magazine can be a real challenge. But Portland Monthly is lucky enough to celebrate one of America's most vibrant, innovative, and downright freaky cities. Subscribe now for just a dollar an issue at pdxmonthly.com slash livewire. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this podcast version of Livewire. You know, we would not exist without you, the listener, because what would be the point of doing this show if you guys weren't out there taking notice of it? Look, if you feel like Livewire has brought something great into your life, like maybe a band you love or an insight from one of our comics or our guests... 
please consider becoming part of our League of Extraordinary Listeners. Membership starts at just 35 bucks a year, and it comes with some great perks, like members-only content and members-only jackets. Not the second one, but the first one, which is pretty cool. Visit LiveWireRadio.org to join today. And thank you so much. Welcome back to LiveWire Radio from PRI, Public Radio International. It's our 300th episode. Our theme this hour is uh, Who Are You to Judge? And uh, we've got a, well, I don't want to say a judgy individual. You just had thoughts on Star Wars. Your name is Prescott Harvey. And uh, you, you put a video up uh, on YouTube explaining to J.J. Abrams how he should uh, make sure the new Star Wars movie doesn't have some of the problems that the most recent versions of the film had. Uh, this was one of the times when doing that actually worked out because he called you, he brought you to L.A., and what was that like? You pitched him movie ideas? Did you guys talk about Star Wars? What the heck? Uh, we, we did on the, on the phone call, uh, and he, he said that he agreed with the video and that it was... Things that he'd been saying to a lot of people for a long time, so he was forwarding the video around and saying, "Look, fans are saying this too." So, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, uh, uh, when I was in LA, uh, no, that was um, just basically he kind of wrapped up the phone call and he's like, "Well, you can, um, you know, if you if you ever want to like visit the set or if you want to come down to LA and pitch me any non-Star Wars related ideas, um, I'd be happy to to hear them." So. But now here's the weird part. You worked on a film, I read, with J.J. Abrams at some point, but you were kind of a supporting cast member of that film. And, like, did you, what did you, park his car once or bring him a donut or something? Uh, I was there when he got um, his Xbox delivered on set, so I, I got to offer him some, some game recommendations. <laughs> so you were showing him how to play the Xbox, but this was years ago. Yeah. And then this whole thing happens... Did he remember that? Did you even bring it up? Like, hey, I, 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 yeah, I did bring it up, and he was like, he thought it was really cool. And from what I've what I've heard of him, he he tends to keep like people that he works with pretty close. It's kind of like a like a family unit. So he he was stoked to to hear that I was on Mission Impossible Three as well. So, so are you guys like besties now? I think so. I mean, yeah. As far as I'm concerned, that means you have probably seen this new movie, which is going to be released right about the time when this episode of Livewire airs. Um, I, I I wish that I had. I, I no no. It's I have not. So seen you don't it. even know if it sucks or not uh, after the whole video. I, I mean, you're just. I can say with ninety three percent certainty that it doesn't suck. Well, listen, Prescott. Congratulations on uh, on the video, and uh, I'm sure you're very excited about the film. So maybe we can hear back from you what you thought of it once you've actually seen it. Prescott Harvey, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> That was Prescott Harvey. You are listening to Livewire. This week's show brought to you in part by Whole Foods Market, committed to full GMO transparency in all stores by 2018 because everyone deserves to know what's in their food. Except for kids when you sneak vegetables in there. Because like zucchini bread, that's for their own good. More information at wholefoodsmarket.com. This is our 300th episode. We're coming to you from Revolution Hall here in Portland, Oregon. And as it is our 300th episode, 
we wanted to look back on some of our favorite memories from all of the shows that we've done. And our announcer, Jason Rouse, has been at work all week compiling a list of 300 Livewire memories. These are moments from the show that we will never forget. And we've got him backstage in a recording booth, and uh, he's going to read them to us. Um, take it away, Jason. Hey, thanks, Luke. Uh, here are the 300 memories for Livewire's 300th episode. Number one, that time Chuck Polinick challenged Susan Orlean to a Fight Club-style brawl backstage. And after Susan used a sweeping kick on Chuck, breaking his leg in four places, she had to flee Portland after a warrant was issued for her arrest, and she never returned. Number two, that time we did a phone interview with Garrison Keeler, and his nose whistle filter was faulty, and it sounded like he was standing inside Wuthering Heights. Number three... When Sparkle, one of the menagerie of owls that act as bodyguards and counselors to singer Jonathan Colton, ran amok and killed several unpaid interns. Number four, drinking absinthe and eating taquitos with Congressman Earl Blumenauer. Number five. Hey, Jason. That time Ken Jennings Jason? ate a whole Jay- wheel of cheese by himself. I don't himself. think you he can hear me in the sound booth. Hey, Neil, Neil, can you just hours in bring the backstage Jason kissing booth? He that was charge anybody. only number five. Just... This is going to take the entire show. We really got to start rehearsing these things. Um, here's what we'll do. We'll just let Jason keep reading. We'll do the rest of the show, and we'll just check in periodically with him, see where he's at, okay? Um, that's uh, Jason Rouse's uh, 300 Live Wire memories. Okay. Our theme this hour is who are you to judge? We're talking about judgment, and, and the thing is, we're probably all a little too judgy, right? I mean, uh, come on, think about it. We're just a bunch of people hurtling along on this blue marble together, and we should all just get along. Some of you are judging me over how corny that statement was, <laughs> and I don't blame you because I'm judging myself. Um, we thought that maybe it would be um, cathartic for all of us to create a judgment-free zone on this episode of Livewire. So we have asked the audience here at Rev Hall to submit some stories and events from their life that they would otherwise not ever share because they'd be worried about being judged. And we're going to read them, and collectively, and all of you out there in Radioland also, we're going to collectively not judge these people. Okay? And actually, I think we even... uh, Dave, do we have some non-judgy music? That's good. This is going to turn into a George Michael song any minute. (laughs) All right, here we go. Judgment, and seriously, you guys, come on. This is serious business. Don't judge these people, okay? Somebody who wants to remain, I have a feeling most of these are going to be nameless now that I'm looking at them. Somebody wrote, took off my underwear at intermission. (laughs) Don't judge them. Something probably happened. Um, Somebody who goes by Miss Kiss says, sometimes I fart and blame it on the kids I work with. No judgment. Um, Somebody named Nick, I have a secret family in Asia. That's why I drive an old car, but I make good money. I don't know if I'm hoping that one is true or not. We don't judge you, Nick. Catherine, 
writes, when I was 10, I had my seven-year-old brother pee in our babysitter's shoes. We don't judge you, Catherine. Um, this person remained anonymous. I didn't go to two friends' weddings this summer out of sheer laziness. I wouldn't judge you even if we were in a non-judgment-free zone. That makes perfect sense. Um, Mark says, I'm a 36-year-old man, and I love to sing along with Gwen Stefani when I listen to No Doubt. I mean, I think I can sing falsetto. Others may disagree. No judgment, Mark. And then um, Jennifer says, Last week, my daughter gave me attitude at dinner, so I ate the entire giant oatmeal chocolate chip cookie we were supposed to share for dessert when she was taking a bath. And it was really good. No judgment, Jennifer. That is a one-minute judgment-free zone right here on Livewire. The terms nerd and geek are definitely overused these days, but nerdiness is not an affectation for our musical guests this show. It's a way of life. They're two sisters with a cello, a ukulele, and a dream to sing songs about cats and dinosaurs. Their latest album is President Snakes. Please welcome Livewire Pals, the double clicks to the show. Dinosaurs didn't have feathers, but now we're pretty sure that they did. Covered in feathers, weird. It's gonna be okay. Dinosaurs were just really, really big chickens. Growing up is just being a really big kid.
Those are the double clicks right here on Livewire Radio. Their latest album, President Snakes, is out. We are in the uh, middle of our 300th episode, and um, so at the beginning of the show, we thought it would be clever to have our announcer, Jason Rouse, kind of write down and then recite his 300 favorite memories from Livewire. Um, and he's backstage in a recording booth, but it was taking a really long time. So we just kind of ducked his mic down. Neil, can we just check in on Jason, see where he's poured, at? poured all the honey all over the piano player, and then she lit her shoes on fire. Uh, number 117, the time we stole Cheryl Strait's cell phone and prank called Oprah. Number 118, the show we recorded in a swimming pool. Bad idea all around. Pretty sure the Pope will never come back on the show. Number 119, the time Luke called Janine Garofalo sweetie and lost a tooth. Number 120, that time all the penguins got loose. Number 121, that time that Luke's hairpiece hey, Neil, was lost. Neil, oh, just, and then we had, they made us all go look yeah, around for it. that was taking too long, too. Let's just go ahead and <clears throat> just take him down to zero there. Thank you. Uh, maybe we'll check back later with Jason as he runs through his 300 favorite memories from the show. This right here, this is Livewire. If you like what you're hearing, please visit iTunes or Stitcher and subscribe to our podcast. It will come to you automatically without you having to do a thing. Links on how to subscribe can also be found over at our website, livewireradio.org. Our next guest has had many incarnations. He's been a literary agent, an actor, a PC, a Daily Show correspondent, an eccentric millionaire, the only man on Earth whose brain contains every fact in the known universe, and a Ragnarok enthusiast. He's authored three books of highly questionable facts and appeared on Flight of the Concords and Parks and Recreation, among many other places. Please welcome Delta Airlines Platinum member, John Hodgman to Livewire. Hello, microphone. Hello, Luke. Hello, John. Thank you for uh, being here for our 300th episode. Boy, oh boy, is it my pleasure. And I have some specific reasons for why it is my pleasure. All right. First Lay them on me. First of all, I'm a big fan of Livewire, and congratulations on your 300th episode. Thank you. Also a big fan of Luke Burbank, and also a big fan of those double clicks. They're fantastic, so yeah. I'm happy to be here. Uh, but I would be lying if I did not say that a big part of the reason I'm here is that when I realized that if I flew out here for a single night, it would put me over the top and I would become a diamond medallion member at Delta. I emailed you this week and asked you what you would like to discuss yeah. and you said, I would like to discuss my diamond medallion status. I had a, a role on a TV show called Married on FX. It's not going to be on TV anymore, but you can watch it. We blame you. Exactly. But they flew me all across the country many, many times earlier this spring. And before I knew it, I had, I had zipped through silver medallion status, which is garbage. And then... Go well, no. First is garbage medallion status. Yeah, garbage medallion. Then is silver medallion status. Not, 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 not the greatest medallion. It's kinda, it smells bad. Yeah. Uh, then gold medallion which actually you get some nice perks. You get to go through the uh, security line a little bit faster. When you get on the plane, you can touch the pilot's face. It's fun. <laughs> then all of a sudden, I get, to, I, get, I get this email saying, now I'm platinum medallion. 
And I, I don't even know what this allows me. I guess I'm allowed to fly in the nude with a crossbow or something. <laughs> and I'm like, it does not... As it, long as it's under three ounces, you can bring yeah. your crossbow. <laughs> yes, and it can't be a liquid crossbow. Yeah. Uh, and, but I was like, it cannot get better than this. But oh, oh no, it can. Diamond. Di- and then very recently, I got this email saying, you are now X number of miles away from becoming Diamond Medallion. And you have to earn them before the end of the year, or else you go back to nothing. <laughs> and you may wonder why I'm interested in being Diamond Medallion. I, I'm curious, yeah. It doesn't really offer you much more than platinum. <laughs> and in fact, the only thing that's different about it, there is no such thing as a Diamond Medallion. Do you know, like, there are platinum medallions. You wouldn't make a medallion out, out of, of diamond. diamonds. That would be, it's clarity... Uh, color and cut. Those are the three C's. You cut, you cut two flat facets on that and make it into a medallion, that's a worthless diamond. Yeah. This has been Gemology with John Hodgman. His new podcast coming soon from the Maximum Fun Network. It, the, only, the, the only thing, it's, a, it's an even more mythical and meaningless thing <laughs> that other humans have that I don't. And therefore, I have to have it. Because, because, because I, I am, I've become obsessed. I'm never going to get this close to diamond medallion status again. And so I didn't know what I was going to do. And I've faced some pretty dark periods over the past couple of weeks as the, as the end of the year bore down upon me. Please don't judge me. I realize I'm a monster. Do you know what I mean? Like this is, I, I'm utterly playing a, a ridiculous video game that has no stakes and no winner. But, you know, there's a, like one night where I'm just like, I'm just, the only way I can get this thing is if I fly to Los Angeles and back just and pay the money, and I would have to pay all the money. I'd have to fly first class in order to get that medallion, and it was going to be several thousands of dollars. And and my hand was hovering over the mouse about to buy this thing, and I don't have a lot of time before the end of the year because it's the holidays. Right. I was pleasantly surprised that you were going to use up a, a near to the holiday weekend to come be with us on Livewire. Yeah, Diamond and, Medallion, Luke. And <laughs> it, there was an email that went between your handlers and our producers that said, if you can put John on these specific flights, he will come do the show. I thought you were just high maintenance. I didn't realize it was part of a larger situation for you. A, a larger portrait of villainy? Yes. Yes. But they get inside your head. I, yes. I am no uh, diamond medallion person, but I am in, the, uh, uh, I'm in the, the frequent flyer club of our fine sponsor on this show, Alaska Airlines. Thank you. A lot Buzz of people marketing. love it. A lot of people love it. Buzz marketing. Yeah. And what I've noticed is that, um, and I fly down from a, a town that I live in. It's called Bellingham, Washington. Sure. And there is, a, I take a small regional flight to get down here. There's no first class on the plane. There That's is... the greatest, man. Well, because that way, that way you don't go through any status anxiety at all. But that's what you would think. So here's what happens. It's a regional... That's like, that's like a plane full of poets. There's no money in it. It's just <laughs> prestige. Yes. <laughs> it's just a plane full of unpaid student loans. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Everyone, everyone has to figure out their own status. Like, I'm going to get on the plane first. That'll mean I'm better than these other human monsters. But I'm going to get on last because... Right. It doesn't matter. No, so here's the crazy part. There's no 
tactical advantage to getting on this plane first. Why? Because there's a cart that everybody puts their overhead luggage in because sure. it's so small. Yes. So usually you want to get on the plane early because if you want you want to make sure you can put your bag up above your seat. Or better, up above someone else's seat if right. possible. Ideally. I've done that little Because you're better than other humans and rules don't apply to you. Well, if you're diamond if you're diamond medallion status. So this is the crazy part. They will announce our, uh, you know, such and such gold member, this thing, that. Yeah. People will line up to get on the plane first. There's no advantage to it. It's because, and so I just got to the lowest level of this status. I flew down here on Friday, and I had to actively stop myself from getting in line to be the first on the plane just because I was now technically in that status. Yeah, you could have gone first. And I wanted to, but for no reason that I could wrap my mind around other than I made me feel slightly better than the other people. <laughs> you fly hither and yon because you, uh, you do a lot of different things. You, you write books and, and you make the great uh, Judge John Hodgman podcast and you okay. also act in a lot of things. I'm enjoying you very much on the Steven Soderbergh show, The Nick, where you are, as per usual, I think, for your characters, horribly ruining someone's life. Yes. When do you get to be the fun guy in, in something? Nope. <laughs> Never. I just filmed something else that I can't reveal in which I ruin another person's life. But in the Nick, in the Nick TV show, I had a very small but pivotal role as the evil mustache doctor who uh, prophylactically removes the teeth from a mentally ill woman because he believes, as this character actually did in real life, Dr. Henry Cotton, that mental illness was an infection. And that, therefore, to cure mental illness, you would, re you would remove points of infection, including the teeth and the gums and then parts of the bowel and everything else. And he was a terrible monster. And, and um, uh, uh, I don't want to reveal what happens to him. Don't, because I have, like, three more episodes to watch of the season. Well, you will soon find out. Well, uh, you weren't doing great. Your character wasn't doing great in the last episode I watched. <laughs> you had left a dinner party under some duress. But um, uh, I I'm serious, though, like... You're, you're did, so... did, you notice, did you notice that my long monologue was filmed entirely from behind my head? I thought that was just Steven Soderbergh being Steven Soderbergh. Oh, that's exactly what it was. <laughs> I had rehearsed this whole long monologue to give over the dinner table, and it was this incredible, you know, I, I, I do comedy on stage, and I write books, and I do little presentations here and there, but being an actor means being really vulnerable and in the moment. And uh, you also, though, have to learn to be paradoxically, very thick-skinned, especially when you're working with Steven Soderbergh, who has basically edited the entire movie in his brain or TV show before he shoots a thing. He never shoots anything that he's not going to show in the TV show. He doesn't give coverage, as it were. I did somewhat expect him to shoot my face in the scene <laughs> at some point, but he had other plans. And it was this amazing moment where we did the, we did the whole dinner scene shooting from behind my head. He did it from another angle behind my head. My, the, the back of my head is a couple of good angles. And... <laughs> And then he said, all right, let's shoot you coming down the stairs in great distress. And I'm like, great, when are you coming around to shoot my face? Oh, never. That's right. <laughs> nice working with you, too. <laughs> but he's an ama it's amazing. If you've seen the show, uh, and I have no stake in this, I don't, get, uh, I don't get any medallions for plugging the Nick. It's just a brilliant piece Thank of work. Thank God, because yeah. otherwise you would just be plugging the holy heck out of it. With we know your love for medallion I accumulation. Love, well, that was so I got to the point where I was about to buy a completely unnecessary flight across the country uh, to the tune of $3,000. And it would have to be over, like it would only be one day because I didn't have time to spend any time there. And I wouldn't even do anything there. And all this travel that I had done to earn these medallions earlier in the year took a real toll on my family. But my wife and I have kids, they, they're old enough now to actually 
miss me and think of me as a human being. And I just thought of like the look on my son's face when I said, yeah, daddy's got to go to LA again. And my son would say, for work? And I would say, mm, not really. No. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even have that. But I mean, son, you're a video gamer. You, you understand. I got to level up. You know what you know I mean? What? I got I to gotta go across the country to eat that diamond medallion. Yeah. And I can turn twice as big so I can eat the ghosts for one year. The ghosts <laughs> of self-hatred and doubt. If you want to spend some time with daddy, watch the Nick. You'll see the back of his head yeah. for a seven-minute monologue. Hold, hold that thought. I John Hodgman be. is here with us. We've got a short break, and then we'll be right back with more of Livewire. This podcast is brought to you by Ergo Depot, makers of the Jarvis Standing Desk. And now, if you want a smaller footprint, but you still want the stability of a desk with some real substance, there's the Jarvis Jr., just as strong as its dad. But it takes up almost half the space, and it's adjustable at the touch of a button. So you can stand when you're feeling like the go-getter you are and sit when you dang well please. Because you're an adult and you can make your own choices. The Jarvis Jr., allowing the floor space challenged to stand prouder. Get more information at ergodepot.com. Welcome back to Livewire Radio. It is our 300th episode. We're here with John Hodgman. Now, to be clear, I instigated that applause for the 300th. Uh, episode, not for me. But now this is the applause for me. You go around and um, and and you give presentations. You have a comedy special that's out right now. It is uh, it's can be weirdly addictive, right? Having a room full of people that will clap if you so much as raise your hand makes the rest of your life a real bummer, huh? No, in real life, people clap when I when I make them. <laughs> You know, at the grocery store or when I'm reading to my son at night. I'll make them applaud. It works out. It, everyone seems to love it. Yeah. Were you always interested in acting? Um, you were a literary agent, and, and you became yes. well-known from The Daily Show and your work with This American Life. But, like, when did acting enter the picture for you as an idea? Well, I always loved, you know, movies and culture and, and TV and so forth. And, uh, you know, so there's always the fantasy uh, particularly if you're uh, uh, an only child, which I am, which is to say a member of the Super Smart Afraid of Conflict Narcissist Club, there's always a, there's always a dream that someday you'll you'll go on stage and people will love you no matter what you do, because that's the dream of any only child, you know, is com- complete and total approval from all humans. Um, Seems achievable. I'm doing pretty good, but you're doing pretty well. Oh. I was employing a colloquialism in order to make myself seem more human to your audience. But... I apologize. Everything happens for a reason, Luke. <laughs> but by the time I was 35 and writing these books of complete world knowledge, complete world fake knowledge, and appearing on The Daily Show to promote them, I, you know, the idea, the idea that I might ever be on television was a complete and utter implausibility. Because, you know, here I was, you know, a man in his middle 30s, uh, uh, not yet uh, bedecked with this horrific mustache, but still (laughs) with a weird round baby face and a lazy eye. I was not on-camera material. Uh, And so it all came as a real shock to me, and I think to most of culture, that I would be on camera. (laughs) Uh, And and yet it it is so wonderful and addictive... Um, that uh, that I will do almost anything to remain in front of the camera. 
Did I say almost? Forget that, anything. I'm in wardrobe or for any as project. In, as in front of the camera as you are able to achieve when Steven Soderbergh is directing. I'll, I'll give Steven Soderbergh the back of my head any day. Um, I'm, so, I'm so desperate to be in front of the camera, I'll even go on public radio. That's, that's how blinkered, my, my, my blinkered and desperate my aspirations are. And, uh, and we're honored by that I'm, blinkered, desperate desperation. I'm honored, I'm honored to be here. You know, I, lo- I love uh, you... Luke. Luke. You're really not going to forgive me over that good versus well. I love I love you and I love Portland, Oregon. It's, it's one of It's one of my it's one of my two favorite Portlands. Um you, you that's, are That's right. You heard me Portland, Connecticut, bite it. Not interested. You're on a, uh, a podcast that I do love to listen to, and, and also it's a column in the New York Times, the Judge John Hodgman. Yes. Um, and I would say program. most, mo- so it's a program where I am a, a self appointed fake judge. Uh, my co host and producer and friend, Jesse Thorne, is my bailiff. And we take calls from real people out in the world who have disputes ranging from the philosophical is a machine gun a robot? No. Uh, <laughs> To, to uh, uh, you know, deeply theological. There was, we had a, a couple, uh, the husband was a, a Unitarian minister, had moved to a very conservative town in Texas, and the, his wife ordered him to stop revealing his occupation for fear that they were going to be subject to religious persecution. And I said, hey, you signed up to be a minister. It's your job to tell the truth about your life and whatever you think about religion. Um, but most of the people that we draw, uh, most of the people who call in tend to be from Portland, Oregon, uh, or Portland, Maine. And I don't know what it is about those two Portlands. Portland, Oregon, I understand, because most people here um, think that they're right, and they they think that everyone else is wrong. But also, uh, they have problems confronting other people. So they really, they need a podcast in order to vent these issues. Thank you for being on the show. Good play. That was fun. That was John Hodgman, who, as we've now learned, lives in New York. And you're listening to Livewire. This week's show is brought to you in part by Alaska Airlines with 80 nonstops from Seattle. And this winter, in a tribute to Mr. John Hodgman, they've added New York's Kennedy Airport. Now the city that never sleeps is just a nap away. Alaska Airlines keeping you connected nonstop. More information at alaskaair.com. All right, we're going to re-enter a judgment-free zone here on Livewire. David, we have our judgment-free George Michael theme. Going to open another beer for this one. It's our 300th episode, everybody. These are actual admissions from our listeners, uh, things that they would normally be judged for, but we are declaring an armistice. We are not going to judge them at all for these things. Um, Kendra uh, says, I made a waterbed out of Ziploc bags for my Barbie and Ken doll so they could have sex on it. I was a bit too old to be playing with dolls. No judgment, Kendra. Um, 
You know, when I'm feeling inspired, I'll throw one in. Um, when I was, this is a judgment-free zone, right? You guys with me on this? Okay. Uh, when I was uh, younger and um, very, very tight on cash, uh, sometimes I'd be doing a work thing and they would put me in a kind of a nice hotel where like a bottle of water in the room would be $11. And a couple of times I drank the bottle of water, but then I just refilled it from the bathtub and just put it back and screwed the cap on super tight. Don't judge me. Um, um, let's see here. Oh, this one is from someone called Rayson Jouse. That sounds suspicious. I accidentally used my work friend's $130 personal grooming kit and I didn't tell him. And I mean, I like used it. I do judge. I do judge that person for that, actually. All right, that was another judgment-free minute here on LiveWire. All right, please welcome back to the stage, The Double Clicks. I'm gonna tell you what you need to party right. It's the new craze, it's the way every night. Put your pants on and drive up to the party house and suddenly remember that you don't like going out. Yeah, you're still a weirdo. Well, imagine that. Here is your solution. Go and find the host's cat. Hanging with cats at parties. Party parties, it's the new movement. Why don't you join me? We don't want your judgment and we don't need your pity. This is where I want to be. Hanging out with cats at parties. Walk into the party like, no thanks, I'll keep my coat. Ending conversations with a nice Taylor Swift quote and saying things like, I don't like local beer. Scanning every corner for the reason you are here. There is a cat, so I'm not technically alone now. Don't tell me to smile. I am in my comfort zone now. Yes, I'm having fun. I don't need a drink. This is way more comfortable than you probably think. Hanging with cats at parties. Party parties, it's the new movement. Why don't you join me? We don't want your judgment and we don't need your pity. This is where I wanna be, hanging out with cats at parties. A cat is not a bigot or a sexist. A cat could care less if you even exist. Unless you're giving it treats, it will just stare at you. And that's the kind of friend I want. What can I do? Our numbers grow out of nowhere like mitosis. We're all slowly contracting toxoplasmosis. We don't need your shame, our life is better cause it's lame And tonight's just about one thing Hanging with cats at parties Party parties, it's the new movement Why don't you join me? We don't want your judgment and we don't need your pity This is where I wanna be Hanging out with cats at parties 
with cats at parties. The double clicks right here on Livewire. One of the few mitosis-related rhymes you're going to hear in a pop song this week. All right, we are here at the end of our 300th episode, and if you remember... Our announcer, Jason Rouse, has been backstage in a sound booth just reading his 300 favorite memories from Livewire. Uh, I think he thinks he's been on the air the whole time. We've just been kind of checking in and out. Let's see where he's at at this point. By using a used pumice stone on his feet, and it really freaked everyone out backstage. Number 299, that time that Amy Dickinson, better known as syndicated columnist Ask Amy, was on, and we didn't have her required pre-interview tonic of Lime Ricky with hallucinogenic river otter ink. And she swore at our staff in Croatian and passed out in the backstage hot tub. And number 300, that time during our 300th show when the audience weirdly started doing 500 simultaneous Chewbacca impressions when I counted down from three, two, one... breaking the world record for most simultaneous Chewbacca impressions in a theater that used to be a high school. That was really weird and amazing. And that's all 300. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you, Jason. Thanks to everybody here. That is our 300th episode. We will see you next week. All the people we have to thank for this here, 300th episode of the show. First off, Prescott Harvey, John Hodgman, and the wonderful Double Clicks. we got to thank them for coming by. And uh, also thank our sponsors, New Belgium Brewing Company, Whole Foods Market, Ergo Depot, and Alaska Airlines. Hotel accommodations generously provided by Provenance Hotels. Robin Tenenbaum is executive producer and co-creator of Livewire. Courtney Hommeister is our head writer and producer. Jim Brunberg is also producer, editor, and part of our house band, along with Dave Jorgensen, Ben Landsberg, and Ned Failing. Jason Rouse is associate producer and part of our writing team, along with Alex Falcone, our guest writer was Sean Jordan. Molly Pettit is our amazing technical director, House Sound by Mr. D. Neil Blake. Thanks also to Revival Drum Shop this week. Thanks to our marketing director, Laura Haddon, our development director, Kim Bergstrom, and our operations manager, Lauren Masterson. Additional funding provided by the Regional Arts and Culture Council, the Meyer Memorial Trust, the Oregon Arts Commission, the James F. and Marion L. Miller Foundation, the Maybell Clark McDonald Fund, the Oregon Community Foundation, Work for Art, the Multnomah County Cultural Coalition, and listeners like you fine, fine people, which is how we've been able to do 300 of these episodes. Thanks for all your support. Hey, speaking of supporting us, more information about the show or becoming a member of Livewire can be found at livewireradio.org. You can download our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud and find us on Twitter and Facebook at Livewire Radio. All right, I got some celebrating to do. I'm Luke Burbank. We'll see you next week. PRI Public Radio International. Wouldn't it be amazing to have a piping hot episode of Livewire delivered right to your heart and ears each week? Well, guess what? That can happen when you subscribe to the Livewire podcast feed and you'll get the joy of surprising conversation every week. So go ahead and do it. It's super easy. You click on the button at the top of your podcast app and bam. 
you are Livewire subscribed. And if you're still, you know, feeling the love, if you're enjoying the show, hey, maybe you could hook us up and uh, leave us a quick review. That'll help more people find out about Livewire. And thank you.